0: Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Good evening, ghosts, goblins, and ghouls. Welcome back to a new nightmarish entry. I have a stellar program lined up for you this evening. Just you wait and see. But first, next week, David Flora and myself, along with our crew, will be shooting our long-awaited and COVID-delayed documentary, Shadows in the Desert. ...high strangeness in the Borrego Triangle. So I say that to say that next week I will be semi-dark. I'll be posting a past Monsters Among Us Beyond episode to hold everyone over. But keep an eye out on social media for any surprise posts or bonus content. That's right, at long last we begin production. And a huge thanks to all those supporters that have patiently waited for us to get the all clear to finally get things moving... Safety first and all, when you're tromping through a 120-degree desert. Now, like I said, tonight's episode is jam-packed, so let's stop messing around and finally get after it. To kick off our evening, we ventured to the Old Town District of San Diego, California, where our anonymous caller has a terrifying tale to tell.
1: Hey, I'm calling in in regards to episode 16 of season 7. Uh, the gentleman wanted to know if anyone had been helped by a spirit uh, by the cops. And I've got one for you. My mother used to run a shop in uh, Old Town, San Diego. She was familiar with all the local owners, and uh, her shop was within rock-throwing distance from the infamous Lely House. There is a story that she got firsthand from the gentleman that runs the little Creole Cafe that is on the Whaley House property, just to the right of the building if you're standing on the main street. Essentially, he was in the shop or in the restaurant and he was the last one there. I believe he's the owner or chef or both. And he was locking up for the night and completely alone. He had checked everything and he was walking out the door. And as he went to swing the door behind him to lock it, He heard a woman say, stop. And he kind of felt like he had hit a wall and couldn't go outside. So he thought, okay, maybe I missed someone. So he turns around, he goes back in and he tries to clear the restaurant again to make sure he didn't miss a female because he knew he heard it. In the time that he is clearing the shop, the entire police force surrounds the front of this little shop. His restaurant was up kind of elevated and there's a deck with steps that walk down to the ground. When he got back to find out what was going on with every single cop in town with their guns drawn, is there had actually been an armed robbery, which was frequent, and my mother herself had experienced it literally point blank while um, running her business there. Uh, There had been an armed robbery right down the street, and they were all looking for the guy that had been the perpetrator. Come to find out, this guy was actually hiding directly under the steps he was about to walk down as he left. So he thinks that whatever female was in this house, whether it be from his restaurant or possibly the Whaley house, that she could have quite possibly saved his life because he was armed and he had nothing to lose. So I thought that was a super fun story and thought you would enjoy it. Thanks a lot. Bye.
0: Thanks, caller. Many years ago, Sarah took me to San Diego for my birthday. We spent some time in Old Town and some tacos we went on a delightful ghost tour that began and ended at the infamous Whaley House. Now if that place sounds familiar, it certainly should. Several reputable publications, including the Travel Channel, have ranked the Thomas Whaley House as the most haunted house in the United States, the very property on our caller's entry. Now I managed to dig up this retro clip from back in 1978, courtesy of KFMB, CBS News 8 out of San Diego. Even back then, this place was a big deal.
2: If this music box could talk instead of play, it might tell us about the ghosts that are supposed to inhabit the Whaley Mansion. There are supposedly four ghosts, two of which are the former owners, Thomas Whaley and his wife, Anna Louise, plus an assortment of minor spirits, some of whom the people here say they've seen and heard. I've seen a couple things, yes. Who's to say if ghosts actually roam the rooms here, but somehow it wouldn't be right for the oldest brick structure in Southern California not to have a spirit to call its own. Judy Elfenbein, News 8, Old Town.
0: Now, for the story at hand. As the clip mentioned, there are purportedly several ghosts entombed in the brick structure. But of all the potential phantoms, perhaps one in particular, seems most likely. There are more ghosts, including one of the Whaley daughters.
3: Some claim that Violet Whaley is one of the ghosts in the house. The family had six kids, three boys and three girls. Violet Whaley, one of the daughters, uh, committed suicide in 1885 after a bad marriage. She went outside with her dad's gun, went into the outhouse, and she shot herself in the chest close to the heart. She was alive when they found her, she was brought into the house, and she passed away downstairs in the guest bedroom. Many believe that she haunts that room as well.
0: Now that clip comes courtesy of Historic Places with Elsa, Zavia, and KPBS. So among the numerous rough and tumble Old West type spooks that reside in this infamous haunted home, perhaps a soft voice and a kind heart rose above the rest. Thanks again, caller for that great little entry Now folks, if you have a tale to tell then by all means call the Monsters Among Us hotline at one 888 608 night That's 1-888-608-6444 Or you can visit the Report Your Sightings tab on the website at MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com And you know, it's getting to be that time of year again Time to get those hometown legends in And if we're talking about hometown legends, then we have to start talking about the season 12 premiere. You heard that right. In early fall, we will return with another terrifying season. And since this last year has been its own kind of hell, I thought it was time to pay tribute to those working hard on the front lines, fighting to save lives and fight COVID-19. So, the season 12 premiere will be all about hospital stories if you're in the medical industry and you have a true tale to tell call the hotline which again is one 888 oh and when you do call be sure to say the word hospital early on in the call so I can seek you out from the sea of other entries alright enough of my clamoring let's get to another call now this next one is a familiar subject about an unknown object in a far off land at least far off to me please welcome dave from the empire state to the program
3: hey derek hope as well this is dave calling from long island new york i've called in once before about my parents house uh, but this one's a little bit different so this call is about UFO that I saw in Iceland around August of 2016. Uh, so I was on vacation with my girlfriend at the time. and We were in Reykjavik. Uh, we stayed in the city for two nights, and it was you know, a beautiful place, really nice. And then we had uh, a few nights in the countryside, which we stayed in the farmhouse, and it was the only farmhouse within, I think it was like 10 miles. So it was a very open area, very rural, you know, a lot of hills and a lot of streams. So it was like our second night there. My girlfriend wanted to go out and smoke a cigarette. So we went outside, we were hanging out, and they had this kind of, you know, couch area outside by the farmhouse that we were sitting at. And we were just hanging out, she was smoking, we were just talking, looking up at the stars. And we saw what I thought first was a satellite. It looked like you know, a glowing star moving across the sky. So I was like, oh, hey, look, check that out, it's a satellite. So we were both checking it out for a little bit, and then it started changing direction and moving from one area to the other area, going up, looping around. It was very strange. And then we were watching that, and a second one came and started following it, doing the same exact motions. It was looping around the sky, and they were just these little dots. They looked like stars. And they were just moving in such a way that, you know, that I could not explain or figure out what they could possibly be. Uh, and as soon as they were there, they were gone and they just zipped off and disappeared into the night sky. And to this day, I still have no idea what it could possibly be. But, you know, it's something unexplained for sure. Anyway, thank you. I love the show. I'm a huge fan. And I uh, hope this is something you can use. All right. Have a great day.
0: Thanks, Dave. We've, of course, heard many encounters exactly like this one. Stars in the sky, only they're not behaving as stars should. And given the recent information released regarding these tic-tac UFOs, reported and even filmed by the U.S. Navy, I'm beginning to wonder if those things can be seen from the ground as well. Perhaps they're self-illuminated, or possibly even catching the sun's light as it manages to escape the Earth's curvature. But think about it, they're both described to move in similar fashion, stationary for short periods, then darting great distances at sharp angles at incredible speeds. No, I'm not making any claims here, I'm simply pointing out the coincidence. So thanks again, Dave, for calling in. Now let's waste no time in traversing to our next destination the following was submitted anonymously from the state of georgia
4: hey derek i'm calling because i have never had my own personal experience but over the christmas break i saw my brother-in-law who's an ecologist in georgia and he had a really good story to tell me he said that while he was out in the field doing a study with two of his colleagues They were hiking back after doing a survey in the mountains in Georgia. They were not on a trail. They were kind of bushwhacking to try to get back before sundown. They came across a hole in the ground that was eight feet by eight feet, like perfectly symmetrical. And it just had an eerie feeling to him. Three of them kind of looked at each other and kind of decided to hustle back to their camp because they still had a couple of days to go on their survey. When he brought it up to his colleagues later at the camp, they didn't want to talk about it. He brought it up to another colleague a little while later and she said that uh, she wasn't interested in discussing it. So that was his story. Uh, He said it just felt really eerie and he was kind of creeped out by it. It was dug perfectly in the ground, just really far away from any trail so it didn't make sense Uh, and that was his story alright thanks
0: thanks caller an 8 foot crater in the center of the Georgia countryside now my first inclination is that this might be one of those sinkholes we hear about all the time it seems like Florida is a hot spot for those things so let's assume neighboring Georgia is as well by proximity But the color described it as a crater, not a sinkhole. And outside of both being a large hole in the ground, the two typically appear very different from one another. So let's skip the sinkhole. Well, now I want to try to get even more logical and say maybe this was a tree uprooted. Now oftentimes, the root system is large enough to leave a divot, sometimes as large as 8 foot by 8 foot. And it's also possible that the tree rolled as it fell, leaving it to rest just far enough from the hole. But the two don't seem related. But even that, to me, seems like a stretch. And it certainly sounded like these folk were pretty familiar with the forest. You'd think they would be able to recognize something like that. So that leaves me with this final suggestion.
2: A roaring blast rattled Nicaraguans near the capital city of Managua Saturday night. Authorities now say that the noise likely came from an asteroid striking the Earth. The meteorite's impact and explosion left a 40-foot-wide crater near the city's airport. Local authorities suspect that the space rock might be a fragment from the larger 2014 RC asteroid that passed near the Earth. Residents who live near the crash site first thought that the, the bang was caused By an explosion or an earthquake, earthquakes are common in the country. Thankfully, the meteorite did not land on anyone or cause injuries.
0: Now that clip courtesy of Tell Us Sir. So if it's possible that a meteor left a 40-foot crater, then it's certainly possible that it left an 8-foot one. The question then becomes, why were the rangers seemingly trying to hide it? Thanks again, caller. For sharing the entry. Now, folks, our next creepy confessional comes to us from California. Please welcome Ty to the program. Hey,
5: Derek. Uh, hey, my name is Ty, and i have just kind of a newbie to your uh, podcast, been listening a couple of months. It's about my friend Sandy. Sandy uh, has cerebral palsy, but is very independent, uh, works, and uh, has, a, has a daughter, so she does very well for herself. And if you're not familiar with cerebral palsy, it's usually some, there's been some uh, damage to the brain so that usually their motor skills are affected, like speech, you know, walking, sitting, things like that. But anyway, as I said, Sandy does very well for herself. What's also amazing about Sandy is that she's also psychic and she reads tarot cards. And I'm trying to unpack this so that it's not too confusing, so let me kind of backtrack. I grew up in Southern California, I graduated high school in 1984, and I had a friend of mine, a good friend of mine who also graduated the high school in 1984. His name is Richard Anglin. He graduated in 84, he was one of the coolest guys. Uh, I had him in a woodshop, at some other classes, was cool guy, just everybody liked him, easy going, whatever. Anyway, this is 1984. Lost track of them, as as often happens when people leave high school. Five years later, like 1989, I'm reading a newspaper, a local newspaper, and I see in the paper a story about a helicopter that had crashed somewhere overseas. I believe it was like somewhere in Central or South America, but it was an American helicopter at the base that had crashed. There was like 16 crew members on board. Things were like Marines and other personnel, about 16 people. It had caught on fire, crashed, and it sadly killed all people on board. They had a list of all the people that were killed, and one of the names on there was my friend Richard England, or at least I thought it was. It said Richard England and gave the age, and I always wondered if that was him. Obviously, I'd lost contact with him, didn't know anybody else who knew him, but I always wondered if that was him. Now, then fast forward to 1993, that's when my friend Sandy moves in. The way that met Sandy was, Sandy moved right next door to my mom, who had a condo. So they became friends first, And then when I would go visit my mother, I also became friends with Sandy, who me and my mother both loved. So again, just through briefly talking, Sandy told me that she did tarot cards. If I ever wanted a reading, she'd be happy to do it. And I was very grateful. At the time I hadn't done any from her, but I was very grateful and kept that in mind. Okay, so now fast forward to probably about 1999. Uh, I'm still back in my hometown visiting. And another childhood friend of mine was having a birthday party. So I'm at his house celebrate his birthday with him and his mom and his dad and some other people, a bunch of other people. Well at Matthew's birthday party I happened to meet a woman. Her name is Pat Anglin and because it's such an uncommon name, I just had to ask and I asked her I, I told her who I was and who my friend was and I said, Listen, I said I just have to know. I said I had a friend named Richard Anglin and before I could finish she cut me off and said, Yes, that was my son. He did die in a helicopter crash. In eighty nine and I said, I thought so. I said, I always wondered, but I couldn't prove it, but I saw the news article. I'm so sorry, so sorry, whatever. So I gave my condolences, we really talked for a while. She then tells me though some added information. She says, you know, she says, Before that happened, she says, I have a friend who reads tarot cards and she had warned me of the danger and I, and I said, Oh really, who was it? Well, as luck would have it, it was Sandy. She knew Sandy before I did as they had worked at the YMCA years ago like in the late 70s and early 80s so she tells me the story that a couple weeks before it happened she's at Sandy's house and Sandy wanted to read her tarot cards and she says okay and she gets out the cards Sandy Sandy reads the cards and she stops for a second and has a terrified look on her face and the pet the mother says what's wrong and Sandy says listen um, I'm sitting in the cards she says I hear yelling I see fire I see death and I guess knowing that her son was in the military, she she asked Pat. Uh, she says, "You know, I see your son's going to go on some on, on some maneuvers in a couple of weeks. Can you get him to postpone it and not go?" And Mom says, "Well, you know, I don't know. I can try, but I can't guarantee it. But I will try." So I guess she goes home, tells her son, doesn't tell Rich exactly how she finds this out, but just says, "You know, look, honey, I have a bad feeling. Can you just not go on this on this particular exercise?" And, of course, you know, Rich being Rich, great guy, just said, oh, Mom, don't worry. You know, Mom, you worry too much. I'll be fine. And, of course, ultimately does go do on the maneuvers and ultimately, as I mentioned, dies in this uh, helicopter crash. And as I mentioned earlier, I was so sad to hear that. But I guess in a weird way, I got at least some kind of confirmation that at least it was my friend Rich who had indeed sadly died in the uh, helicopter crash. Uh, that's the end of the story. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Die. I couldn't tell you if there's actually any science to it, but I've always been led to believe that if someone is deprived of an ability, it can enhance any remaining functions. For example, someone that is blind would have above-average hearing to help compensate for their loss. I mean, it makes sense, right? So could a so-called sixth sense be enhanced in the same way? In other words, where Sandy's body is limited, her ability to pluck information from the ether Is then enhanced. Now, I happen to know this isn't the last we're going to hear about Sandy. So, until then, thank you, Ty, for sharing the entry. Mr. Pop. (laughs) Tonight's episode is sponsored by Magic Spoon. One of the best things about being a kid in the 80s, aside from the horror movies, was the cereal. But as an adult, I've had to give up all my childhood cereals because they're full of sugar and junk that I can't get away with eating anymore. But tonight's sponsor, Magic Spoon, is a cereal that takes me right back to childhood. Something I can enjoy guilt-free. That's because Magic Spoon has 0 grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only 4 net grams of carbs in each serving. And about only 140 calories per serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. The variety pack comes in four familiar flavors. Cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And they taste just like those name-brand cereals you remember from your childhood. But these are actually nutritious. So head to magicspoon.com forward slash monsters among us to grab a variety pack and try it out today. And be sure to use promo code Us at checkout to save $5 off your order. Now, Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So again, that's magicspoon.com forward slash MONSTERSAMONGUS and use coupon code Us to save $5 off your order. And as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening, and back to the spooky stuff. Now, who is up for something equal parts interesting and terrifying? Well, Michelle, from Arizona, is here to deliver.
6: Hey Derek, it's Michelle calling from Arizona. So the story, I heard about it on another podcast I was listening to. It's called Lore, and this specific one is episode 5, if people want to check it out. They're called the Huldufo, or the Hidden People, and they reside in Iceland. And pretty much they're invisible elves that look and act like humans. And they're said to be Eve's children, that she had hid from God. So I think there's a quote in the Bible or something that says, What man hides from God, God hides from man. So I think that's probably why they're invisible, because God had hid them from Eve. But that's kind of where they come from and why they're invisible. So in the late uh, 1930s, there was a construction plan in Iceland to build a road through the hill that they were known to head guard or live or reside or whatever you want to call it. And then the construction actually started in the late 1940s. And when it did, equipment started breaking and went missing and got thrown away. All sorts of kind of weird stuff happened to the equipment so they decided to just build around the hill instead of drill, try and drill through it and break it down they came back in 1980 to try and break back through the hill and uh, build the road straight and uh, again as soon as they started construction all the equipment broke or went missing to the point where people just stopped working on it they didn't want their tools to go missing or anything to happen to them so that road still goes around the hill which i think they call it uh like an elf hole and i looked them up if you just kind of look up hold the soak it's h-u-l-d-u-f-o-l-k the first thing that comes up is the picture of that hill and to me it looks like a hobbit house kind of it's, it's underground but you can kind of see it from the side there's a door I've, i mean that picture is probably not accurate but that's what it looks like to me so i just thought it was really cool I thought you would want to hear it because it's, uh, it's a weird, just little story that I heard. I just thought they were really cool. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thanks, Michelle. I remember hearing about that rock and alter construction project. I also remember hearing a statistic that said some 55% of the people of Iceland believe in the Hulda folk, or hidden folk. So maybe they're superstitious. Maybe they're just regular stitches. Or perhaps the hold of folk bring the tourists in. Either way, I love the legend, and we thank you, Michelle, for sharing the entry. You know, oddly enough, just before I began writing this episode, I was checking flights to Iceland. A potential future vacation destination, I guess. Now, it's a coincidence that there just happens to be two stories from the land of fire and ice. In the episode, I'd end up writing just a few hours later. You know, maybe this is some sort of message, perhaps from the Icelandic tourism board. Well, speaking of messages, we just announced a ton of new merch a couple weeks ago, and you guys received that message loud and clear. But for those of you late to the game, there's still plenty of merchandise left in the shop for you to pick up. Show your support for Monsters Among Us by donning a t-shirt, a hat, pin, patch, bag, or just hang a poster on the wall visit monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop and grab your gear today. Okay. So our next entry was submitted from the state of Indiana. Sam, welcome to the program.
7: What's up, Derek? My name's Sam. I live in southern Indiana. I guess this was like a ghost shadow person, I guess. I want to say I was probably in fifth or sixth Grade, maybe fourth grade, I was like just getting old enough to stay home alone by myself for extended periods of time, like a whole day or something. And I remember I was home alone. I was on Christmas break at my dad's house. And I was downstairs in our living room. I was playing video games or something. And all of a sudden, I hear footsteps directly above the living room was my dad's bedroom. And I hear footsteps upstairs, not a dragging, not just a thumping. It's like heel toe, heel toe, heel toe. And I hear it walking around what sounds like my dad's bed. And I could just hear it walking around and I listened to it, take a few laps. I was trying not to freak out, trying to justify it, explain it. So I go upstairs. Eventually it doesn't stop. So you walk straight up the stairs. And to your right is a door immediately. And then you turn to your left and you take a couple steps, and there's my dad's bedroom door. And the bedroom door's open, and I come up the stairs and I like kind of peek over that little wall into my dad's room. And I see just like it didn't have the shape of a person, it was just like a dark ish mist. I could see through it pretty well, but like you could tell it was there. It looked like, I wanna say like a mesh jersey or something, almost. It was on the far side of my dad's bed and it was finishing the lap that it was taking. Like I said, it was walking around my dad's bed and it started coming back around towards me. So like from the far side to the foot of the bed and coming my way. And it just kind of vanished out of thin air. I told my dad about it. He had lived in this house since he was a kid. And he told me that he had always heard, like, kind of footsteps and just weird noises in the night. But he didn't believe in ghosts, but he had definitely heard some weird stuff in the house. Something else happened to me, and this time my dad was home whenever it happened. Like I said, my dad's bedroom was right above the living room. And one time me and my dad were sitting in the living room, and my dad, I don't know, his phone was charging in his room or something. He asked me to go upstairs and get it for him. Well, when I did that, I start walking up the stairs, and like I said in my last story, so you walk up these stairs, and there is a door immediately to your right, right at the top of the stairs. So I get about halfway up the stairs, and this door is standing probably about three quarters of the way open, and I am heading up the stairs, and this door just slams shut. We had a chandelier down in the dining room, like just a janky little old chandelier. And it rattled the chandelier. It rattled the house. I ran back downstairs and my dad immediately said, what the hell was that? So he heard it. I heard it. I saw it slam shut. Me and my dad were the only ones home. He went up in the room. The window wasn't open. I mean... There could have been a draft, but there's not a draft hard enough to slam this door as hard as it slammed. Didn't really have an explanation for that one either. So thank you for giving me time to share. Thank you for the podcast. I've been listening for about a year now as they come out, and I have gone back and listened to pretty much all of them and haven't found a bad one yet. Keep up the good work, Derek. Thank you. Bye.
0: Keep looking, Sam. There's more than a few bad ones in there. Thanks for the submission. Now, I believe this is the first time I've heard of a shadow figure described as looking like a mesh jersey, but somehow that's easy for me to visualize. Now, the detail about it creating audible footsteps is one we don't hear all that often in regards to shadow entities. According to my memory, a majority of these encounters are visually terrifying but relatively silent, which in a weird way almost makes it Even more creepy. Who knows, Sam? But it sounds like something is hanging around your dad's place. I'd certainly keep my eyes open. Thanks again for the entry. Alright. Before I hit play on this final entry, let me remind you that the show may end here, but the spookiness doesn't have to stop. There are currently 47 episodes available on our Patreon platform, with new episodes being released each month. And as a Patreon supporter, you get ad-free episodes, behind-the-scenes info, and access to the Patreon-only shop, home of the brand-new glow-in-the-dark phone booth image. An image with my mug on it. Also an image available in poster and t-shirt form. Now, that's patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast. $1, $4, $8 levels. And as always, thank you all for the support. Now, to say this next entry is eerie would be an understatement. Lisa from Minnesota, the mic is yours.
2: Hi, Derek. This is Lisa from Minneapolis, and I have a story for you. I lived in a small town in the 80s in Kansas. I lived in a small house. And by the way, I've had many experiences with paranormal. But this one puzzles me to this day. It was a hot night. I had big windows open in my tiny house in my bedroom. And before I went to sleep, I left a note from my boyfriend on the front door. He was playing cards with some friends and was going to come by later. So, mind you, we never locked doors. There was never any crime in the town, so it felt pretty normal to do that. And by the way, I was also like 19. I went to sleep reading a book, windows wide open, super hot, muggy, muggy night. I was just laying on top of my covers reading. About 3 in the morning, my roommate came in, and she had a ball bat, and she was, freaking out and she says oh my god somebody's outside there's some people outside of our house and I said turn off the light so she turned the light off I went to the window I looked out and there were two figures they were kind of scaling the house and then they ran down the alley and I was just like what the hell who the hell was that and we thought well it's just two guys from high school you know they just seem like the type that would do it but I just thought well that must have been two guys that we knew or something so went back to bed, didn't really think too much about it, and, and then I realized my boyfriend wasn't there. So the next day I called him, and I'm like, w- why didn't you come over? What was going on? He goes, I did, and you weren't there. And I said, shut up. I said, no way. I was sleeping. He said, no, you weren't. He said, I came over, and I could tell you were in your room, your windows were open, your light was on, everything. He goes, and I just... Sat on the front stoop and waited for you thinking maybe you walked down to get some cigarettes or something. So I smoked a couple of cigarettes and waited, it never came. And I was just like, what are you talking about? I said, I was there. You know, I was just freaked out because where could I have been? I was in my bed. And then I said, okay, what did the note say? And he told me what it said word for word. So just freaked me out. Anyway, I just kept thinking, you're kidding me, you're kidding me. And he wasn't a person to do that. You know, I could trust him and knew he wouldn't mess around with, with me. So about five years later, I was at a wedding and I saw him and I just said, this is really bothering me. Are you sure that you didn't, are you sure you're not kidding? And he said, no, no, I'm not. I swear to God, I was not kidding. You were not there. And I still see the whole scene so perfectly, and I'm still so freaked out by it. But that was just one freaky thing that's happened to me out of hundreds. I have so many stories that I don't know why, but my girlfriend says that I'm a vessel for the paranormal. So I don't know. Uh, Maybe I am. It wasn't quite unusual to have something strange happen. So thank you for letting me tell my story. This is kind of fun finally being able to tell somebody that gets it. Okay, bye-bye.
0: Thank you, Lisa. These to me are the scariest stories of all, because the monster is absolutely real, and it's also all around us. Our fellow human being, the most dangerous beast of them all. But a detail about Lisa's story gives me pause when ascribing this experience on pranksters or even burglars. It's that bit of missing time. And this time not only hours and minutes were missing for Lisa, but it seemed that Lisa was missing altogether. Now if you allow me to pull out my corkboard and red yarn, there are almost enough elements here for me to invoke the name of our long forgotten friends. The mirred men. There's the report of odd weather. A typical detail to any Mired men account. Lisa said it was unusually hot that evening. There's also the missing time we just discussed. And of course, the visual confirmation of at least two nondescript figures. As exciting as it would be to notch another confirmed Mired men sighting onto her belts. I'll refrain from doing so for now. But I hear you out there, baby birds, chirping for more content about these synchronized strangers. Well, luckily, a few weeks ago, a listener, whom I cannot find his name and I truly apologize, but he reached out to alert me, and thanks to him, I potentially have a men story to share. Now the following was featured on the podcast Weird Darkness, one of the few I still find time to catch now and again. Well, I reached out to host Darren Marlar, and he was kind enough to let me share the entry. Originally submitted to Mysterious Universe by paranormal legend Nick Redfern. Now, Although the following assigns the mystery to the Men
8: in Black. See so if you can pin down a more likely culprit. I'm 55 years old and have known about the Men in Black since the 70s. Personally, the majority of the visits are, in my opinion demonically orchestrated. I have learned, due to my belief system, not to make these events complicated. It's exactly what it portrays itself to be. Having the gift of discernment reveals what these hybrids are, that is, evil. I call the feelings and smells are all symptoms of a demonic encounter. If you agree with this, then the obvious next conclusion is that these so-called aliens are also demonic. And what does the Devonic dwell in? They dwell in shadows. They do not want to be found out. UFO encounters out them and their hybrids and satanic agendas. After all, it's about soul collecting, is it not? I reside on the west coast of Lake Michigan. My front door faces directly eight miles from an active nuclear power plant that is within months being decommissioned. This process can take up to 20 years, I live in the hot zone range of this very old plant. For three years, due to living on a hill with a spectacular view of the open sky, I have witnessed UFO activity coming directly from the nuclear power plant and fly slowly right over my head. With incredible lighting and maneuvers, including complete standstill hovering, I've also felt that I've been discovered witnessing this and have had some type of acknowledgement from the crafts. It's hard to explain. I just know that they know that I see them. Usually, I witness them around 11 pm and after. Anyhow, something different happened last August 2017. As I stated, I live on a hill with a steep drop-off approximately 30 feet from my door. This is a brand new apartment complex, and a very short road runs in front of my back patio door. I should have originally said I'm witnessing these events from my back patio. The road runs to the right for about 100 feet and turns right to the front of the complex. Around 1 a.m. I felt compelled to go out onto my patio and look to the right. Now below the hill is nothing but woods. I saw 3 very tall slender men come up the hill onto the road in perfect formation, walking extremely slow, dressed completely the same, all in black. And suddenly stop. All three turned their heads directly towards me and just stood still. It seemed like minutes, but I don't think it was. I actually felt an electric charge go from my feet straight up my back up to my head. Not only that, the fear I felt and also a sickness in my stomach was nothing I have felt ever in my lifetime. I knew they were evil, They slowly moved their heads in complete synchronized fashion forward and slowly, and I mean slowly, continued to walk forward and disappeared from sight. I know what I just witnessed. That was pure evil. Now, with that being said, I don't know if it was a warning, a visit, or what. I've not spoken about this event until now. Summer is almost here again, and I wonder what I will witness. Now a huge
0: thanks to Darren for the clip. Be sure to give his show a listen next time you're looking for fresh content. He's crazy enough to host a daily show, so there's plenty to pick from. So I don't know. It seems like that quote-unquote men in black story has all the hallmarks of a mirrored men tale. The witness was compelled to look. There were three men, moving in unison, identical in appearance. Now there's a slow or odd gait or stride reported. And most importantly, the hint of missing time. So I'll let you decide. Men in black. Mirrored men. Or something different altogether. Now maybe with a little luck, this will jar loose a few more entries regarding this mysterious phenomenon. But until then, thanks again Lisa for the entry. Talk about a memorable experience. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And if you like what you hear, you should follow us on our social media accounts. Just search Monsters Among Us podcast in your search bar. The terrifying score that you heard this evening was provided by AG Music and Carl Casey at White Bad Audio. Thank you so much for listening and until next week. This evening's secret entry comes to us from Taylor in the state of Delaware.
9: Hi, this is Taylor calling from New Hampshire, uh, the Derry, New Hampshire area, and my story was, well, it's not really my story, actually, it's my brother's, but it doesn't sound as crazy, but someone else had called in a story recently about a dog being in somebody's window, and... You know, it was, like, on the second floor. So I do remember when we were kids, my brother telling my parents, oh, there's this dog that looks in my window at night. And I don't know, I just remember being creeped out by him saying that. And he said that it happened, like, a couple of times. He was so little, but he was scared of it. The caller that called before about this, said something about, like, a screen memory, and maybe that that's what it was, but he didn't really know, and honestly, neither do I. The only thing that was weird about it is that our bedrooms were on the second floor of our house, so there's no possible way that a dog could be looking in the window. The only thing he could think of that it could possibly be was maybe some kind of, I don't know, symbolism or something for something, and he ended up having a uh, kidney disease, and he thought maybe that it was something, almost like telling him something about like the future or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. It's hard to process these stories, uh, ones that just don't register in the human mind. ...human-headed spiders, Glimmerman... ...and these second-story window peekers. Now, the idea of a screen memory is the thought that... ...an abducting force would somehow replace memories of the ordeal... ...with other, less credible, more cuddly memories. Owls are often associated with this phenomena. And we've speculated that perhaps dinosaurs have been as well. But truth be told... If whoever is altering memories has that power, why not erase the memory altogether? An alien screening its face with a mysterious dog's face so the victim forgets the ordeal altogether is nearly as convoluted as a villain's final plans to execute 007 himself. But allow me to leave you with a more organic, albeit mysterious theory. Stories of an eight to 10 foot tall Half-canine, half-human beasts known as the Dogman have persisted for years in pockets across the country. Depending on the height of that window, maybe whatever was looking in was simply large enough to peer inside. The original concept was already spine-tingling enough without that visualization. But either way, thank you, Taylor, for relaying the info. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. Have a good night.
8: Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer Riley Bray, we make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right, every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect Santa Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with grills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time. Then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot, Bigfoot Collectors Club, Club.
4: You're, you're here, here to, to believe, believe us. Wait, is that how it goes?